morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Marty Plum, and I am your host of a pen and a napkin podcast, the weekly coaching clinic you can carry around with you in your pocket. Welcome back to the coaching staff. And Tony and I are trying something different this week. We are talking to each other. Usually it's just on the phone, but I thought, hey, I believe on this device there is a camera that can, you know, show pictures. And so we are actually now staring at each other and and just looking just looking right at each other as we're having our conversation here today. So how how you doing, Tony? I'm doing well. This could this could be this could be bad. We'll see. <laughs> what happens. Uh, uh, this could phone. be so bad it could be good. It could. Yes. Yeah. So fined by the FCC. We'll see what happens. <laughs> <laughs> well, this week, episode number thirty-seven, um, a hodgepodge of uniform numbers this week, Tony. A hodgepodge of uniform numbers. Um, I only have one basketball player. I've got two defensive backs, and I've got four pitchers. Maybe have one of the defensive backs. Who you got? I'm trying to think of the guy that wore all the stickum for the Raiders that had all the interceptions. I'm going to give that to you. Lester, name is Lester Hayes. Lester Hayes. There we go. Yep. So, so I'm going to give that one to you. Uh, other defensive back. Um, he'll give you a hint. He's on TV uh, Sunday Night Football. Harrison? Rodney Harrison? Rodney Harrison is correct. You are two for two. Um, and now you got four pitchers. I don't... I None of them are in the Hall of Fame. Oh, boy. But, uh, but I think you can get them, uh, if I give you some hints here. Part of the Nasty Boys of the Cincinnati North Reds. North Cholton? There you go. There you go. Uh, another left-handed pitcher. Shares the name with a certain country singing chicken connoisseur. Country singing chicken connoisseur. One of my Can favorite. One of my favorite Seinfeld episodes ever. <laughs> <laughs> it's the Red Menace, Jerry. Uh, <laughs> you look stressed. Oh, I'm stressed. <laughs> Uh, two and a half minutes. All right. Uh, left-handed starting pitcher for the 1975 Boston Red Sox. This would be kind of the toughest one here. Uh, Boston Red Sox, uh, interesting character of the game. Bill Lee? The Spaceman, Bill Lee. There we go. And starting pitcher for the Toronto... Blue Jays, late 80s, early 90s. Dave Steeb? Nailed it. Are you cheating? No, I promise. Okay. You can see me. All right. Yeah, I can't see you. I can't see you. So you got your basketball player left. This might be the toughest one. Um, Controversial player. Very involved in probably the worst incident in NBA history. Ooh, let's go with, well, it depends upon the names that you want to go with. I'm going to go with Meta World Peace. And there it is. You are a seven for seven. You didn't You didn't slip up once, buddy. Oh, the, the hints. That's where it's at. Yeah. We were on the $64,000 pyramid. We, we, quite a team. <laughs> we, we should do that as our retirement plan. We should just <laughs> me, you, and Michael Strahan hanging out. So There you go. All right. Um, well, this week, Tony and I... Uh, we were, I don't know, I was kind of, you know, we're, we we always talk about topics of what we should talk about next, and um, we had some news here over the last couple of weeks, uh, most notably, uh, Dylan Brooks uh, kind of was what brought this to mind for me, uh, not a good week for Dylan Brooks, not a good couple of weeks for Dylan Brooks, uh, shot his mouth off at the wrong guy, at the wrong place, at the wrong time. And uh, as as my nephew uh, Tate Martin says, you mess with the bull, you get the horns. And and Dylan Brooks got the horns, and and not only did they lose the series, but uh, the Memphis Grizzlies told him we're not going to resign him. And if you do this job long enough, you're going to have some difficult players to coach, Tony. You know, and what 
I thought of, though, is is not all difficult players are the same. There, there can be difficult players to coach, but their difficulties or the, what makes them difficult to coach are not as significant as other things that make a player difficult to coach. Uh, so we kind of had, and, and we're going to use NBA players as kind of an example, as kind of our North Star here, so that folks understand we we divided it up into about, what, about eight categories here, Tony? Yeah, uh, I think uh, that's what you had sent me, was yeah. about seven, eight different categories. Yeah, and, and you know, to, to start with, I think it's, it's it, we, we talk about great teammates, Tony. And what makes a great teammate? And and in, in NBA history, you know, um, if you have Tim Duncan, and, and here's kind of the best teammates list that I kind of came up with. Tim Duncan, Steph Curry, Akeem Olajuwon, Steve Nash, Shane Battier. If, if you have those type of guys on the squad, you're you're going to be successful. You're going to have a good locker room. You're going to have a good vibe. They're going to police it. That makes it really, really easy to coach a team, usually when you have somebody like that, Tony. Um, and, and, and I've been there. I'm sure you've been there. Uh, I can think of kids, you know, uh, when I don't have to say a lot, those are usually our best teams. Um, when I can just focus on coaching, those are usually our best teams. I'm sure that's the same way it's been for you, hasn't it? Yeah, I mean – Going back to your list there, you know, they mentioned the fact that Duncan, and I can't remember exactly how many years he played, but he was never late to anything. Mm-hmm. You know, and I've heard a lot of people talk about people that are not just on time, but early. Yeah. It shows that they don't think their time is more valuable than anybody else's. And you mm-hmm. don't see that a whole lot today. You know, you go through with Nash, Nash high fived everybody, was in the thousands for the average number of high fives in a game. Mm-hmm. I mean, unbelievable. I know you had uh, ended up uh, saying something on Twitter about Curry's speech before they went and played Game 7 yeah. against Sacramento. Here's a guy who doesn't run his mouth and works his tail off, runs miles every game off screens, constantly moving, and takes care of himself. Yeah. And then right before one of the biggest games of the Warriors comes out and, hey, if you don't think we can win, don't get on the bus. Yeah. You know, don't get on the plane type of thing. And so that's that's pretty amazing in terms of leadership there as well. Um, you know, and the list can go on and on. But just I think at times we maybe don't value when we have players like that. And it's the squeaky wheels that get the grease. Yeah. And those are what I think you're getting ready to talk about a little bit in terms of the, the categories and such. Yeah. And, and you know, like you said, like with Steph Curry, uh, sometimes we have guys that talk a lot and say nothing. Uh, my, my father-in-law was a guy who said very little, but when he spoke, you listened, you know, and, and sometimes I wish I was more like my father-in-law in that regard, you know, and, and, you know, somebody like Steph Curry, who never says anything, well, when he does say something, now everybody's, okay, this must mean something, or his message is, is really, really important to him, and, and I, and I think that's just so important, like you said, Tim Duncan, uh, never late for anything, was always a first bus guy, uh, might be the best teammate ever in the history of the game, With with and also being perhaps the greatest power forward in the history of the game, depending on how you want to classify LeBron James and, you know, all that other fun stuff. So, um, but yeah, you know, those are the really easy type of players to, to coach. And by and large, Tony, I'm sure you would also agree, most of the kids that you've coached in your career have probably been pretty easy kids to coach. I've been very coachable. I, I know it's the same for me. I, for you as well, I'm sure. Yeah, I mean, I would say somewhere in the 90 percentile of kids that I've coached have been really, really good kids to coach. And I've had uh, tremendous blessings to be able to do that. Um, you know, but, you know, kind of like we were talking about earlier, it's that, you know, whether it's 5 or 10% of kids that you coach, they kind of, you know, can, can rub you the wrong way and make it for a long season. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, we divided this up into, like I said, we got about one, two, three, four, yeah, about eight different players. And and I think, Tony, I, I, I think I either consciously or unconsciously um, rank them in, in kind of a, a certain order. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to swing it around a little bit here. Um, you know, probably the most, uh, the, the easiest problem to deal with for most coaches to Kind of the toughest problem to deal with, I think, is is where we're at. So, and, and we're going to use players' names. We're going to use NBA players' names. Um, if any if any of these guys are listening to my pod, hey, 
that's cool. That's really cool. Uh, but, uh, you know, this is just kind of generalization. We're painting with a broad brush. Obviously, we don't know any of these guys personally, but it's just kind of that public Im impression that you get watching them play. So um, we're going to start with the with the Jimmy Butler. Um, and sometimes it's really hard to coach a Jimmy Butler. Uh, hyper intense. Uh, he plays so hard. He is, he is so focused. He is so intense that sometimes it's hard to coach him because... He looks at it and goes, why isn't everybody playing as hard as me? Why doesn't everybody care about this as much as me? And those are those are great problems to have, but they also rub people the wrong way. It can rub a locker room the long, wrong way. You have to have a certain type of group of players around a Jimmy Butler in order to have it be a successful environment. And we saw that flame out in like Minnesota and Philadelphia where he didn't have those type of people around him. So I don't know about you, Tony. I've 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 had a, a player or two like that. Overall, it hasn't been that big a deal because those are the the type of players you want in your foxhole with you. But but it can be difficult to to coach those type of players. It can be. Um, you know, like you were talking about, the Heat are about his fourth or fifth NBA team. I yeah. mean, and if you go back and take a look, the Sixers prioritized Ben Simmons over him. Yes. You know, you could take a look in Chicago. Uh, there's the, the story in Minnesota where he took the third team guys and he beat the first team guys in the scrimmage. Yeah. You know, and so how wouldn't you want somebody like that? But at the same time, he is a lot. He's hyper competitive and you have to find a way to harness it um, to where you can point it in the right direction. And it doesn't become the Jimmy Butler of your locker room against the other 12, 13, 14 players because you've got to get them pulling the rope in the same direction. Um, but yeah, you've got to win that guy. Let him know that you you know you got his back. Uh, but at the same time, you know, just let him know Rome wasn't built in a day. And mm -hmm. if you're going to get them to play hard, you can't do it by screaming and yelling and taking the third team guys and beating the first team guys. You have to lead by example. And mm -hmm. when they're doing things that you want them to do, like if they're playing as hard as you, that's when you positively reinforce that sucker and try to get more in your camp to where you're getting you know, four, five, six, seven guys that play as hard, as hard as Jimmy Butler does because Jimmy Butler is a warrior who goes out there and brings it for 82 games and the playoffs, but it is a long season. Yeah. And if you play 100 games regular season and playoffs, that can be a hard message every single day. You can't play it at that hyper-competitive level. Yeah, and and uh, well, Tony's kind of coming in and out here, folks. We're, we're both dealing with some potential weather issues so if our audio is a little bit off here tonight uh that's the reason why so uh but yeah i agree with you tony and, and i think it's important to have that guy on your side if you're a smart coach you, you you get jimmy butler on your side and and you have those conversations and you uh you know i've always said you know those are the type of guy if you're going to go down those are the type of the guys that you go down with uh you make sure that are on your side and so i i agree with you there and but it does take patience. It does take patience. I think you hit a couple really good talking points. Constant communication. Rome wasn't built in a day. I, you know, and I think one of the things that you do with a, a Jimmy Butler type, if they're upset at, at, at Billy or Susie, hey, you know, I get it. I get it that Billy and Susie isn't at your level, but look how far they've come in the last month or in the last year or whatever it may be. And you're constantly reinforcing that with, with that type of, of player. In, in my opinion, Tony, I, I think that's a really good point. Yeah, if you're if you're yelling at Bill, Billy, and Susie all the time, you're going to lose them. Yeah. But if you can give Jimmy Butler perspective, hey, you know, like you said, look where they were two weeks ago. They weren't mm. diving on the floor. Now we've got them diving on the floor. You know, they're playing hard, 75, 80 percent of the time. We've got some growth there, but again, you're going to attract more with honey than what you are with vinegar. You know, positively reinforce Billy and Susie. Build your teammates up. And, and go that route rather than always, hey, you know, you could have done this, that, and the other. You're not playing as hard as me because that will divide your locker room very, very quickly. And now all of a sudden, your star pupil, if you will, in terms of effort, is going to become ostracized. Yeah. And if you bark all the time, you know just as well as I do, Tony, if you bark all the time pretty soon, you, you don't hear the barking anymore. It becomes noise. Yep, just becomes noise. So next up on our list, uh, the Le LeBron James type guy. Uh, and, and when we when we put that on here, what we mean by this, we're going to try and define what we mean by each one of these players. Uh, you know, real passive aggressive with what he does. Uh, never says anything bad, 
publicly, uh, but you're always kind of wondering what he's thinking. Uh, obviously, LeBron is extremely intelligent when it comes to the game of basketball. He understands the game. He sees the game. He's playing chess while everybody else is playing checkers. Uh, but there's also times where, like, you know, LeBron's a control freak. LeBron wants things a certain way. Uh, it has to be a certain way. He doesn't understand sometimes, I think, uh, why it's not being done a certain way because that's what he believes and so forth and so on. And and when you have that, and, and, and for us at the high school level, that might be a situation where uh, you have a player who has a parent who has coached or uh maybe is coaching, you know, whatever it may be, or something. I'm just using that as a random example. Um, and they, you know, there's there's a lot of talk at the dinner table, so to speak. You know, how do you work with that, Tony, in, in that regard? I, I think that's another just constant communication type of situation. Well, yeah, there, there is more than one way to, to do this. I understand that's a good perspective. We also think we have a good, uh, this is a good reason why we're doing this. I think either way would be really good, but I think this is the reason why we're going with this defense or this set play, or here's why we handled this situation the way that we did. And just so uh, they might be hearing one thing at home, but they're hearing uh your opinion and your philosophy so that they understand that, okay, yeah, I see what you're saying. There is a lot more different ways to look at this than just this way. Yeah. And I think the key thing you talked touched on there, and I would say with this, with almost every single situation and player that you've mentioned here, Marty, communication has to fill it because Mm -hmm. if you don't, if you don't get your message in there, negativity is going to fill it. And in this situation with someone who's really cerebral They're going to be thinking the what ifs and probably worst case scenario, what ifs. You know, you mentioned that it could be a a deal where um, their parent has coached. Maybe their parent coaches at a collegiate level, whether they're the head coach or the assistant coach. And they're wondering why we don't do it this way when their, you know, parents collegiate team does it that way. And then you have to, hey, we're going to put the cookies on the low shelf for everybody to be able to do what we need them to do. We can't run. You know, the triple post offense, you know, made famous by Tex Winter because that's a lot of reads and we just don't have the basketball IQ right now. And we're going to be a little bit flexible and try to fit things around the personnel that we currently have. Um, But I think, too, part of that communication piece can be involving them some in what you're thinking Mm -hmm. so they understand the strategy behind it. And I think that goes back to kind of what you're talking about, the communication piece, so that the what if worst case scenarios don't hop in there and fill it. I mean, you take a look, I think with LeBron, kind of like Aaron Rodgers in a way. Yeah. In terms of good comparison. Um, want their guys around them. You know, yeah. LeBron was famous. Damon Jones, who's now a GM, I think, for the Phoenix Suns, if I remember correctly. James Jones. Yeah. James Jones. Yeah. yeah. He he was with LeBron everywhere, you know, and I know LeBron would like to get Kyrie with him in, in LA. You know, a situation where Kyrie played with him in Cleveland. Um you know, and so he likes to have his guys around him. Mm-hmm. And so uh, just because he thinks it has to be done a certain way. And he's also kind of like Sean McVay. I don't know if you, if you watched his press conference the other night, but he can just recite things from the game in terms of plays that happen yeah. in detail that's just scary. Yeah. Um, but another guy you want to have in your in your foxhole because of the intelligence factor, the care factor, but you have to handle them um you know, the right way. You have to win them over to your side, kind of like the Jimmy Butlers. And you do that with Jimmy. It's, it's like, Hey, I'm on your side here. And you're a little bit more rah, rah, you know, foxhole general type thing with LeBron. It's a little bit more of a cerebral method. Yeah. And, And I think sometimes like with, with that player that you're talking about there, you have conversations beforehand. Hey, if, if we're, if we're down one, with 30 seconds left, what do you think would be a good call for us out of our playbook? You know, here's here's our six plays or eight plays, or if you're the Cedar Rapids Kennedy sophomore team, 206 plays. You know, <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, what what do you think we should run here? You know, what do you feel comfortable with? Uh, you know, stuff like that. And and I think if you have those conversations beforehand, even before you get to that point, that really intellectual player knows that you are trying to reach out to them and their, their opinions are going to feel, they're they're going to feel appreciated because they are being asked their opinions, you know? Mm -hmm. And and I think that's a good thing to do as well. 
So Yeah, and you can even ask them during the game, hey, this is what I'm seeing. Is this the same thing you're seeing? Or you can talk about them with the scout. Hey, have you watched in huddle this game film here? I think if we run this play, we'll be able to get this action out of it, and this is what will be open. Are you seeing something similar? Or, you know, hey, we've been in man giving them this look, and they're trying to take advantage of this action. Should we double them here, or should we switch defenses? Yeah. Want to know more about a pen and a napkin and all the resources it offers? Go to apenandanapkin.com, a great resource for any coach at any level. In addition to our A Pen and a Napkin University video library options that are available to order, we have hundreds of pages of notes, from one-page handouts to book breakdowns to original coaching notes. We also have coaching links, a full catalog of every A Pen and a Napkin podcast, and ways to contribute to the growth of A Pen and a Napkin. Apenandanapkin.com is a coaching resource that will help you become a better coach. Let's see here. Luca. Uh, a player that is constantly affected by the officiating. Always, you know, whether it's body language, whether they, they, they can't let a, play, a call go. Uh, you know, we don't have it as much at the high school level with the, the actual arguing with officials and things like that. Uh, but, but just a player that has trouble with the officiating. I think those are kind of more situations where you got to be a little bit more stern. Uh, I think, Tony, you know, just, hey, you got to move on. The, 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 the official made a call, you got to move on. Or, hey, if anybody's going to, I know I've had this conversation. If anybody's going to talk to the official, it's going to be me. Let me talk to the official because they're, they're probably not going to listen to you. But the, they might listen to me a little bit. And, and, again, because we're experienced here on the coaching staff, we have a little bit better idea of how to talk to the officials to have them understand the point of view. Uh, what do you think about that one, buddy? Yeah, I, I think you have to be stern on that one. Um, it was Lombardi who I think said preoccupation with the past leads to failure in the present. And I think that's a conversation you have to have. Like you have so much energy. And if you're allowing your energy to be caught up in emotions, you are wearing yourself out. And you're going to need a break because of that more than being able to be on the court. And you can't worry about a call that happened five minutes ago that's affecting you something in the first quarter. Now that we're in the second and third quarter, you got to flush it and learn from it and go on. And the other thing too, like you said, if anybody's going to talk to the official, let it be me. Um, And maybe from time to time, you know, just check in, Hey, you know, are you okay with things? You know, is there something that I need to be looking out for? Because I had had a situation like that somewhat similar to what you're describing. And they're like, yeah, they're grabbing hold of my uniform. Can you ask the official to watch it? And Mm -hmm. so then I would do that. And if they got a call or, you know, they might later come back, did you ask the official to do that? Yeah, I did. And it just lets them know that you're on their side. And that helps to maybe alleviate some of that that stress and pressure from them. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, I think you have to be stern. You know, and that's kind of where I got with it. If you're going to continue to talk to the official, it makes the official mad. You're not going to get calls. And not just you, we're not going to get calls. Mm -hmm. And so if you're going to do that, you're going to sit by me and you can do what an assistant coach does and, you know, watch the game and add in your two cents to me, or you can be on the court and play. But yeah. Either way, that's that's kind of what we're going to do. Yeah, and and I think what you also have to tell that player is, I'm going to talk to the official one time. I'm going to tell him I'm going to I'm going to you know handle it the best way that I can, and then we move on. And we both got to move on from it, you know. And 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 I think that's that's the best way that you do it. I think that's the best way you do it. So. Yeah, because like as a coach, if you get preoccupied with complaining about calls all the time. You're not coaching your team. And if yep. I remember correctly, I want to say it was Danny Hurley that had tattooed somewhere on his arm, coach your team. Mm-hmm. And because he would get wrapped up in arguing with the officials and different things and, you know, and wouldn't coach his team. And so that was just a great reminder for him. You know, and I, I hope I've gotten better at it over the years, but I was one that would like to argue with him as well. Yeah, I, me too. I very rarely you're ever going to change the call. Yeah, yeah. I... Literally during the the national anthem. Not that I'm not being a patriotic American, Tony. All right, I'm. I love America, you know. Uh, but I continually tell myself this has kind of been my thing the last few years. Coach the game, call quick timeouts, and I just continually repeat that self that little mantra to myself during the national anthem. Coach the game, quick timeouts. Coach the game, quick timeouts. Because when I was younger. I would spend too much time talking to the officials, and then I would be stubborn, and I wouldn't realize how important it was to call timeouts to change momentum or to stop momentum runs. I'd be like, well, let's just – I was a little bit more of the Phil Jackson, 
you know, and, and I still tell my players today, I hate calling timeouts, but I'm doing better at it. I'm doing better at it, especially in the situation that we're in where we're, we're rebuilding and we, we, you know, when, when runs happen, we have to stop them sooner. And, and that's a tool that you can use to do that. So, yeah, in a few years, you might not have to do that once you kind of get this young team a little bit more seasoned and experienced and they can learn to play their way through it. I hope but so. early on here, not, you know, probably a bad analogy on my part, but you got to have the training wheels on and then eventually you'll take those training wheels off, give them a big push and let them figure it out. Yep. Yep. Uh, the next type of player, we're going to go with the Carmelo Anthony. Um, won't change their style. Uh, coach, I shoot threes. Well, you shoot 14% on threes. But I shoot threes. I'm a shooter. Yeah, you know, uh, just, just, and sometimes that mentality, and again, maybe that's the player's mentality. Maybe that's mom and dad telling that player that they're a great shooter or they're a great athlete or whatever it may be, but they are not very willing to change their style uh, to, to the to the team and what needs to be done for the team, and and I think this one's pretty for me. It's always been pretty black and white. Hey, you, you don't have to change, and guess what? I don't have to play you, and and but here's what we need you to do. And if you want to stay on the floor, here's the things that we need you to do, and and I think that um, now you know again dealing with the Carmelo Anthony's of the world, he was so super talented with the offense and and what he did with the basketball. You know he could kind of you know play his way through that because he was so hyper talented with the basketball in his hands uh but we do have players that for whatever reason well my AAU coach wants me to do it like this or I I feel like I if I do this I'll get a college scholarship whatever it may be um I think that again I I think the sternness the firmness of your conversations as we go down this list become firmer and firmer and firmer along the way here uh not angry not upset but just Hey, you know this. This is what's got to happen here, um, and I think you start with those conversations before you move anywhere else. Uh, what do you got, buddy? Yeah, it's it's a numbers and an analytics thing. You know, um, we've talked a little bit on here about doing film, watching film. Mm-hmm. I think this is a film one. You come yeah. in and you hey, this player closed out eight feet short on you. They want you to shoot the three. Let's look at your stats here because yeah. you mentioned black and white. Well, the stats are in black and white. And you're a 14% three-point shooter. So here's the thing. You continue to do it your way. Your way is going to get you very little to any playing time. Or you can play more to your strengths. And what we need you to do, you know, as a team, with that's a choice that you have to make. We both will have choices. If you're not going to change, then you're not going to play as much. And so we just got to make these choices. You know what? You can always go back. I know you mentioned Carmelo. I think another one would be Russell Westbrook to a certain extent. You know, it it took a while, but eventually both of them kind of came around to the change that they needed to make. Um, Until until nobody wanted them to play for their team anymore. (laughs) Yes. You know, because mentioning LeBron, you know, you could tell there were some hard feelings between LeBron and Russell Westbrook in terms of the style of play. But Russell goes to, you know, uh, the Clippers. And plays really, really well at the end of the year for them, and arguably was their best healthy player at the end of the season. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you're talking about that and that that film thing. And um, I remember I had one season, and we were playing some younger players over some seniors. And that's always, you know, you know, just well as I do, Tony. Ninety to ninety-five percent of your parent complaints come from younger players playing ahead of older players. That that's where that's the root of all of it. And you can you can do anything you want. And I and I had a player. I had a, a an older player who was through through ten games shooting like fourteen percent from the three point line, but she was like third or fourth on our team in shot attempts. And 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 I felt like she shot it well in practice, but it just wasn't falling in games. But this was becoming more of more of a problem. She wasn't making shots, so she's playing less and less and less as we went on. And and I I remember telling my athletic director at the time, I said. If, if people think I'm a bad coach for not playing this player very much, that's one thing. To me, I would think people would think I'm a bad coach because I'm letting her shoot as much as she does. She, the, what That's the part of the equation that they're not seeing is I still think she can help us with her shooting, but until she starts sticking some shots, we can't play her. You know? yeah. and so if you want to call me a bad coach, call me a bad coach for still having some confidence in her rather than looking at the analytics and saying she's really struggling shooting the basketball. 
and yeah. and and I think that's a big part of it as well. You know, is 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 yeah. You know, you you gotta you gotta. I painted myself in a corner. Now I lost my train of thought, Tony. I might have to take that one out. But then I might leave that point in there for for, for entertainment purposes because I started talking and then I kind of lost myself. So, but you know what I meant, Tony. You know what I mean. I do know what you mean. Yeah. Um, you know, it was one of those things too where could they help out eventually? Yes, but we've got to get the shot to start to fall a little bit if that's what they're going to continue to do is to take the number of threes that they are. And so it might be a situation where you're either up big or down big and they get some of those minutes that people like to label garbage time. I'm not a big fan of that phrase. But anyway, they go in and say in that limited amount of minutes, they go two for four behind the three. And the yeah. next thing you know, they begin to shoot 40% on it over the last yeah. however many games, and now they can help you again. Yep. Yeah, Don Meyer used to say, there's no such thing as garbage time. If there's if there's time on the clock, you're coaching your team. And that's always yep. been something that stuck with me there. So I think that's, like you said, you're having a kid that's struggling shooting, whether they're a good kid or not, or whether they're on this type of list or not that we're talking about. Um, if they're struggling shooting, if you're up 20 or if you're down 20, run a play or two for them, have them knock down a couple of shots when the pressure isn't on and hopefully that will help them so that when they do get into a pressure situation they're feeling more confident about putting the ball in the basket so um all right the the trey young uh trey's been kind of a coach killer um you know i forget the uh i forget the guy that they hired right after they drafted him he got fired they hired nate mcmillan uh, he got fired, uh, you know, things, you know, the, the Hawks have not lived up to expectations the last couple of years. And there seems to be a lot of smoke around Trey Young, uh, and the way, you know, just kind of the way he's, way he handles himself and, and kind of seems to, it sounds like, and it sounds like this is part of ownership's fault as well. They've kind of put Trey's wishes above the team's wishes. Um, and, and that's not as much in our situation. Maybe that's a situation where, um, your superintendent has a kid on your team and they're like, well, I'd really like to see Jimmy play, you know, and, Oh, what do I do here? You know? And, uh, but, um, you know, just somebody that thinks they're kind of above the team. Uh, they, they, they think, and a little bit of the Carmelo, but, uh, to the point where it becomes disruptive, where your team becomes an underachieving team. Uh, I, I think that there are some teammate issues with like a, a Trey Young, whereas opposed with like Carmelo, I don't. I, you never really heard anything bad about him as a teammate, so to speak. Um, it, it, you know, it, it sounds like Trey. There again, there's a little bit of smoke there at the very least. You know, so I, I think those conversations again, conversations, communication. Uh, you know, anything to, to add on on that one, Tony? That was a tough one, uh, just from the standpoint of. You, know, you take a look, they've they've done some things with the roster. You know, I think Kevin Werder is a really good player. He's a great role player, mm-hmm. does a nice job in, in Sacramento. And he I don't know if he wasn't a Trey Young favorite is why they didn't make him a priority. Uh, they bring in Murray from the Spurs. And for the most part, they played okay together. But I, I don't it know. It should have been better. Yes, I don't know if it's the greatest fit. How yeah. Atlanta with the talent they have, you know, those guys and, and John Collins and, and Clint Capella, you know, and I could name off, you know, DeAndre Hunter. I mean, that's a good roster. Yeah. And why they're at the bottom of the East in terms of qualifying for the playoffs, there's there's something going on. And, you know, and, and Trey, um, you know, he's got decent assist numbers. And so I don't – there's just something – I'm hoping Quinn Snyder can reach him. But like you said – He's run off several coaches. Now we're at Quinn Snyder. And eventually what's going to happen is the front office, ownership, whatever, is going to realize, hey, it's not the coach. It's not the other guys. It's Trey. Yeah. Because we've changed all these other things around him. Yeah. And, you know, at, at our level, like you said, this one's a tough one just from the standpoint of, you know, but it might be the kid that's physically matured the quickest and maybe is the best player but not always the hardest worker and yeah. wants every play run for them and not willing to do the dirty work. Mm-hmm. And so, like you said, this is where the, the conversations get a little bit more stern because, you know, you might be the junior high all-star or you might be that promising freshman coming in, but if you don't work, you're eventually going to get exposed, whether it's the high school level or if you're fortunate enough to go on and play collegiately, there's got to be talent plus work ethic 
as you go up if you're going to continue to have success. And I'm not saying Trey's not a hard worker because he uh, must yeah. be. You can't shoot the ball that well if, if you don't put the time in. But you've got to be willing to pay your dues and be a good teammate. And I, I don't know if that's true of him. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you there. Coaches, you know just as well as I do that we're always looking for new and different ways to motivate our players and programs. But sometimes it's hard to find that perfect source that we're looking for. Over the past 25 years, I've collected hundreds of handouts to help motivate my players and programs. And now I'd like to share some of my favorites with you. The A Pen and a Napkin 101 Best Handouts Booklet is now available to you for only $15. In this booklet, you'll find motivational material for all types of situations and individuals to help you communicate your values to your players and program. For ordering information, you can either DM me on Twitter or email me at a pen and a napkin at gmail.com for details. Um, we have three more on our list. Um, and, and with this next one, and, and we're going to use a name here. And, and before I even say the name, I, 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 I know that there has been uh, discussions about mental health here. And, and, and by all means, I don't want to paint a broad brush. You know, we've had... Uh, I've had loved ones that have dealt with mental health issues and, and players and so forth. So, so I am not using this name in the sense of uh, I'm picking on this or, you know, if, if there are truly mental health issues there, that that's not a big part of this. Uh, let, me, let me be clear with that. Uh, but uh, the, the name that we kind of up, came up with here was uh, Ben Simmons in the sense of just a player who is a player that can help your team but just seems really uninterested in playing your sport. Just, just no real motivation. Um, they, they don't. They, they're, they're not. They're, they're, they're doing this out of, I don't know, a, uh, an obligation. Um, they're, they're doing this because they feel like they have to, not because they want to. Uh, so forth and so on. And, and I think. As we move our way down their list, this is probably one of the most frustrating type of kids for any of us to coach. And if and if you if you haven't had this type of player yet, just wait. If you do this job long enough, especially at the high school level, you will have this type of player. Um, and and it's 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 a hard it's a hard thing. I've been here a couple of times, and. You know, Tony, I'll be interested to, to, to see, you know, have, have you had that type of situation before and how did you handle it? You know, I would equate Ben with someone who is physically gifted and kind of pushed towards basketball because Ben fits a certain, like, measurements and stuff. Sure. Um, but I don't know if Ben loves basketball. Yeah. And, you know, super talented Great genetics, good good measurables, and, yep. and athletic is all get out. But like you said, um, you know, there, there's there's some other things going on there, um, and I feel like this would be the type of kid who, if they had their druthers, might not even play basketball. Yeah, but there's a lot of pressure at home for them to play basketball because their parent or parents both played, and that's the expectation. The parents are maybe vicariously trying to live through them. And this is one you have to be super, super careful with Mm -hmm. because of the whole uh, mental thing. And like you said, you know, this is, this is one as you take a look at that I think is, is a big area, not just in athletics, but in general, you know, some of the, the mental health experts that can help with, with counseling and consultation and, and techniques and different things like that. Um, but this is one, like I said, you've got to be very, very careful with. Let them know that, that you're in their corner. Again, yeah. I think that's one of the big things. You, you're rooting for them um, and different things like that. But at the same time, um, you, you also have to go into it with an open mind and know that this might not be a priority. They might not want to be there. Mm-hmm. And so you, you try to focus on what do they enjoy and try to make it fun for them and yeah. help them work through some of these things. I think this is a, a a soft rain type of situation, Tony. You 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 give it a little bit of soft rain every single day, every opportunity that you can get. Um, I know that when I've been in this situation a couple of times, I you know I'll, hey look, I really appreciate you 
being, you know, working with us here. I, I really appreciate you doing this. I, uh, you know, you just stuff like that. Um, speak with them. You know, if, if you're being really firm with your Jimmy Butlers and getting on the, I, this is the type of player where you really are cognizant and aware how you talk to them when they make a mistake, you, you know, uh, because there's a good chance that if you get on them, even, uh, a fraction of what you get on the Jimmy Butler, they're just going to be, I don't want to, I'm done. I'm out of here. And then sometimes in a high school situation, you can't have that happen for the good of your team. You, you know, you, you just can't have it happen. So I, I think that is, is, is the best way to do it. But there also comes a point in time where you also say, you know, look, if, if, if this is not something you don't, if it's not something you want to do, then don't, then don't do it. You know, then, then don't do it. It's okay. We're going to figure this out. Uh, you know, go do what you want to do. If you want to be on the art club, uh, or in the Spanish club, or if you want to play softball or whatever it may be, if you, that's where you want to put all your energy, go ahead, let it rip, go, go do that. Uh, but, and, and I think sometimes you get to a point where you just have to give that kid the blessing. And maybe you talk to mom and dad and just say, Hey, look, your son or daughter is kind of miserable doing this. And I know you want them to play, but honestly, I'm telling you this as their coach, I think it might be best if they didn't play anymore. Because And, and then if they choose to come back after you give them that blessing, then you know that there's they're there for the, the reasons that you want them there. And I think sometimes those are, those are tough conversations. But again, it's not a tough, firm conversation. It's a, it's a soft rain conversation. It's a very very soft conversation. Yeah. Yeah. And it's one of those things where, you know, maybe in the conversation with the parent, you just mentioned, Hey, this is a short season of their life where they're going to be a basketball player, but they're going to be your child for the rest of your life. And Mm -hmm. so just trying to help soften that a little bit, Mm -hmm. those that may be living vicariously through their child, they, they just don't want to be here. They're miserable. And this is too much of a commitment. It takes up too much time for them to be feeling this way. Yeah, absolutely. Um, two more left to go here, Tony. Um, the Dwight Howard, the Dwight Howard player, where your teammates genuinely just do not like you. Um, you, you have a personality. For whatever reason, you know, they, they just don't like you. Uh, and, and like a, a Dwight Howard, when he was a dominant, you know, all NBA type of center, the Orlando Magic put up with his personality for a long time. Uh, but as soon as it, it just got to the point where, you know, it, there's just too much, you know, we know that the, the last half of Dwight Howard's career, he's 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 got a lot of frequent flyer miles, miles moving stuff uh, from one city to the next. And um, it's hard, Tony. Uh, I know I've been there. Uh, when you coach a team that one of your important players, your other players, genuinely do not like them as a person, uh, that's that's a tough, tough thing to handle. Uh, have you ever been in that situation, Tony? Yeah. Uh, you know, we did a variety of things with it. Um, you know, we tried to help people understand you don't have to be best friends, but you have to get along on the court. Yeah. And, you know, we would do stuff like at the end of practice, doing some put ups. And I would try to model it initially early on as we tried the the circle put up thing and would say something about a person that maybe wasn't overly well liked to try to get their teammates on that side, too. And so eventually it wasn't just me saying good things about them that the teammates, hey, you know, it doesn't have to be necessarily about the personality. It could be, hey. I appreciate how hard you played in practice today or whatever the case may be. Mm -hmm. And then we would do a positive note thing over Christmas break where your teammates would write something positive about you. Mm -hmm. It had to be deeper than, you know, I like your shoes or something like that. And so there are different techniques and methods, but sometimes you can't make a square peg fit in a round hole and you can't make people like other people. Um, but yeah, I mean, those were, were several of the things that we did, but it's it's hard. And, you know, and Dwight Howard, I remember the whole thing with Stan Van Gundy where they kind of had a, you know, an awkward moment. And then uh, Kobe pushed him too hard, so he left the Lakers and went to Houston, you know, and, and different things along those lines. But yeah, it's it's a challenge. Oh, yeah. 
And we we had one situation where, you know, that was definitely prevalent. Um, and it was it was really, really difficult. It, it really was. And we, we tried one-on-one meetings. We tried group conversations. You know, this is this is what I'm thinking. Well, when you do this, this is the way I hear it. And, and can we do this? Can we do that? Um, and it was it was extremely difficult. You know, and, and I don't want to get into a ton of detail about it, but you know, it was kind of a situation that until those parties separated from one another, it never really resolved itself. And, and we, and we, you know, unfortunately, it was a, a pretty talented group, but we we just never were able to move past a lot of those things. And I I felt like at the time. Um, we, I kind of was at the point where I told Pete, I told people who made more money than me, you know, I think it would be best if we just said, maybe we need to look at another place for this person, you know, not in a mean way, not in a bad way, but here in our circumstances, in this situation, maybe it's just best that we went a different direction here and and that did not go over well but but that's kind of where things were that's the you know and i felt like that was kind of the the the, the only solution that that we had um do i regret saying it no i i don't because i i really felt like that that and and so it put me in a tough spot because uh i just felt like i was in the middle the entire time uh the player would not do enough to warrant a massive disciplinary situation, but there was always something. There was always something, and and it's it's hard to fight through those situations. It's hard to fight through those situations, and, and what I tried to tell my uh, administrators at the time was, you know, I I can't con- I can't coach two teams. I can't coach this player. And I can't coach the rest of the team. And you're, I feel like you're kind of asking me to do that is, is the way I felt at the time. And, you know, they, they understood, but then they kind of put me in that situation. And, and so it was, it was, it was very difficult. It was, it was very difficult. And like I said, until people started moving on, that's when everything kind of resolved itself, you know, and, and, and it's too bad because we had a lot of good kids with that group, but we, but we just could not get over that personal situation. You know, and yeah. it's frustrating. Yep, I've I've lived it before too, and sometimes it's addition by subtraction. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, unfortunately, it is. So, uh, our last category, uh, our Kyrie Irving category, uh, just where this person goes, chaos follows. Um, there's there's it just seems like there's always something. And I guess this would be a little bit of the Dwight Howard ish. I mean, I think Kyrie is is on his own level. Um, I don't know if this kind of fits in with the Trey thing. I don't know how. I mean, I don't know, Tony. What do you think? I mean, yeah, I think it's a little bit of both. You know, um, I think it'd be interesting to get what Kevin Durant really thinks about the New Jersey experiment. Well, he's, um, he's, they, he's playing right now. Otherwise, I'd call him and I'd get him okay, in here. Yeah, you know, get so. him on, send him a text or yeah, whatever. Yeah. But, you know, and then the other night, Kyrie was at the Lakers game. Oh, um, was he? Yeah. Oh, okay. And LeBron hugged him before the game. And then D'Angelo Russell went off and had a great game. Um, I think it was against I think it was against Memphis, if I remember right. Anyway, um, so, yeah, I mean, it's, it's tough. And it is kind of the Dwight Howard and Trey Young combined. I, I think it's a little bit of both of those, to be honest. Yeah. And, and I, you know, again, it's, it's that you're making your, you're, you're making a deal with the devil uh, to a degree. Um, I am definitely, especially kind of the experience that I was talking about before. uh, I, I have definitely gone to the Greg Popovich, look, get over yourself or just don't be here. And I don't care how talented you are. You know, I, I just have no time or patience with any of that type of stuff. I, I have a little bit more, you know, like with a with a Ben Simmons, with our Ben Simmons example. Yeah. You know, th- that's that's just somebody who, you know, they're not causing necessarily any problems unless you've got a Jimmy Butler on your team. And, and those, <laughs> and, and I get it. I understand why there would be a huge problem between Ben Simmons and Jimmy Butler. Absolutely. Yeah. 
I'm uh, dinged up and I'm out here busting my butt and you're sitting over there because, you know, of an injury. Yeah, yeah, an injury, you know, yeah. air quotes, you know. And, you know, the, the, the Kyrie Irving personalities are few and far between. Uh, they're few and far between. Um, we don't have to deal with them very much, but, you know, I, I think that you, you do have to have some sort of strategy of if I ever had a Kyrie Irving type of, of situation. And, and I think, and I, I think what we see more and more with that, Tony, at our level, when we, when we talk about that is, uh, such and such kid is a stud eighth grader. And if you're in a big metropolitan area like Cedar Rapids or, or Omaha, you know, I want to come to Cedar Rapids, Washington, or I want to go to a school in, in Omaha. But if I'm going to come here, I, I expect to be on varsity as a freshman. I expect this as a freshman. I expect this many minutes. I want this and that. And for me, and I don't know how, how John handles things. I don't know how you handled things when, when you were a head coach. But And, and I know I lost players because of this. And, and, and just I just wasn't going to play that game. But I just got to the point where I said, listen, I'll, I'll promise you four things. I'll promise you that you'll get a great education. I promise that I'm going to make you work hard. I promise that I'm going to treat you fairly. And I promise you that we're going to have some fun. That's what I'll promise you. But but any of that other stuff, I'm just not going to go there uh, because I'm just not going to get sucked into that. And, and maybe, maybe that was a mistake, but I just wasn't going to put myself in a compromising situation where you say that to uh, Jimmy's parents. Well, Jimmy's parents are going to say that to Billy's parents and Billy's parents are going to say that to Bobby's parents. And then the next thing you know, because of one kid, you've got absolute chaos. And so that's kind of the route that I chose to go. I don't know if it was the right thing or the wrong thing to do, but you know, I, I'm on the Popovich train of get over yourself, get over your ego. We're here to be part of a team. If you want to be an individual, go, go wrestle. There's nothing wrong with that, but go wrestle. Go play tennis. Go golf. Those are great sports. I play golf. I like to golf. I'm not very good at golf, but but that's that's a Marty Plum thing. But if, if I'm playing basketball, it's about the team that I'm with on the floor. Yeah. Um, Frank Martin, who was at South Carolina and recently went to UMass, you know, yeah. he goes, I make one promise to you know the, the parents and the players is that no matter what, I'm always going to have their back. Mm-hmm. You know, For the rest of their life, I'm going to be there and be a resource for them. And I think that's the promise along with what you said that you make. You don't promise shot attempts. You don't promise playing time. You don't promise that stuff. And I agree with it. Get over yourself. This is a team sport, you know, because you're making in those situations. You have to make a deal with the devil. And one person can, you know, it's one bad apple can spoil the whole bunch. One player can ruin the whole experience for your team. And you can't, you can't sacrifice the experience of 13, 14, 15 other players for one. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm in that same boat. You know, uh, you know, Kyrie Irving is talented enough, but he's never going to win an NBA title on his own. No, no, he's not. Coaches are absolutely loving our taking over a new program booklet. As many of you know, I spent two years outside of coaching. And during that time, I hung a note card in my workspace at school that said, strip the house down to the studs. I took that time to really rethink and reorganize my thoughts on what it takes to run a transformational program. As I prepared for the possibility of coaching again, I organized these thoughts into this 96-page booklet. How much do I trust this booklet? I used this booklet as I went on interviews to help sell myself and my vision for what my new program would look like. If I'm using it to sell myself, why wouldn't I recommend it to you, my listeners? This booklet will help you look at any part of your program, no matter what stage you're at in your program, and help improve it in some way. It's all yours for only $15, which includes shipping and handling. For more information, email me at a pen and a napkin at gmail.com. You know who else doesn't make promises, Tony? You're up, baby. There it is, Tony. That's the first time you've ever got to see me play air synthesizer, too. It was it was amazing. I'm telling you right now, if this was like the Pat McAfee show, <laughs> we would have better ratings than Pat McAfee. 
Oh, yes. Yes, we would. Yes, we would. So, um, all right, buddy. Trivia this week. Uh, it's, it's your turn. It's your turn. All righty. In honor of Embiid and the MVP being decided this week okay. in the season, here is my trivia question related to that. Okay. Who is the only player voted MVP in both the NBA and the ABA? I have two answers. I'm sure one of them will be correct. My first answer is Julius Irving. That's all you needed was that one. Yes! Yes, and it counts! Yes! (laughs) My my, my backup one would have been Rick Barry. Oh, okay. Yeah, because I think he was a... I think he was an NBA MVP. I could be wrong. I'm not sure on that one. Was George Gervin both? I don't think he was ever MVP in the NBA. Okay. I, I think he was. I, I'm sure he was kind of like, uh, oh, uh, like a Jason Tatum or uh, you know, in that fourth, fifth place range consistently. Yeah. But I think Kareem was winning it about every other year in the 70s, and then. Uh, I, I think I want to say Rick Barry. I'm going to get out the Google machine, Tony. Here, um, Rick Barry, NBA MVP. He was the All Star Game MVP. Oh, apparently he was. Apparently he was not an NBA MVP. Oh well, such is life. So, um, yeah, Julius Irving with like the Virginia Squires and the. In the uh, obviously the Sixers in the NBA. So, did you see the doc at the Sixers Celtics game today? Looks like he'd still play. Oh, 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 man! And 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 I thought at some point I was going to be six foot six. And in 1982, I was convinced when I was nine years old I was going to be six foot six and <laughs> and just be able to palm a basketball like it was a baseball and fly through the air. Uh, but my mom, who was about five foot four, my dad, who's about five foot eight, those genetics were fighting against me, Tony. So, otherwise, you could have been Doctor M. I, I could have, I could have been, I could have been the professor instead of the doctor. So, <laughs> so, um, chaos in the NBA playoffs, Tony. It has been a lot of chaos. You know, I think uh, all the series. Well, obviously the. Sixers and the Celtics are tied at two. The Suns are now up eight on your Nuggets with less than eight to play. Yeah, that could get that sucker too, too. But yeah, it's been it's been a lot of really good games, and so mm-hmm. uh, just the best time of the year right now. Yeah, great stuff. Um, as telling Tony, you know, the Celtics continually to snatch defeat out of the jaws of victory here, um, but. Uh, yeah, it's it's been really good. Uh, Miami just rolled the Knicks yesterday, which I was surprised. Uh, I, I I thought the Knicks would. I don't know. It, it just the Heat are just. It's like Bill Simmons says they're the zombie Heat. They just they you know again Jimmy Butler and a bunch of dudes. You know they yeah. they, they remind me like I I think I said this last week. They remind me of a high school team with one really really good player. And then just a bunch of guys who are playing way above their heads right now. Play their role to perfection. I think the other day they had 73 points scored in a playoff game by undrafted free agents, wow. and that set the record. Wow. That is, Spolster is a wizard. He's really, really good. Yeah, yeah. He's no Tony Viss, but he's good. He's way better. Yeah. He's way, he's way better. He's way better. He's been he's an institution. He's been there for like 14, 15 years now. I mean, yeah. Und- he's probably like this generation's Popovich. And I know Popovich is still around, but I think Spolstra is that that type of guy. Like he's in that same level. hmm Yeah. I, I think he's way up there. And uh, you know, they got a chance to take a, a stranglehold on that series. I mean, they they win tomorrow and it's three one. Um, I think, again, my personal opinion, I think the Warriors are going to come back here. I think they're going to get game four. I, 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 I think the longer this series goes, I think the more the Lakers are going to kind of come back down to earth here a little bit. I, I'm still waiting, uh, and I don't want it to happen, but I'm just the, the basketball analyst in me says, you know, LeBron's going to 
you know, that foot might have something happen, or more importantly, you know, Anthony Davis, you know, he'll he'll get something. I, I saw a stat, Tony. Uh, right now, Anthony Davis has played in like 21 consecutive games for the Lakers, and that's the most consecutive games he has played in since the bubble. Wow. Have you seen the other one between his odd and even game stats? Uh-uh. Odd game stats, 24 and 10 or something like that. Yeah. Even game stats, like 13 and a half, and I don't remember how many rebounds, but yeah. it's it's crazy. Yeah. So, yeah, I, 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 I just I think the Warriors are going to come back. I think they're going to tie it 2-2. I think they're going to make it a three-game series. Uh, Celtics, I don't know. God, they're just... I think the Celtics is if they can focus and play the way they're capable of. I think the Celtics are the best team left. Yeah. But also, I could see the Celtics getting bounced by the Sixers too, which makes no sense because the Celtics are a lot better team than what the Sixers are. It's basically Harden and Embiid playing two on five. Yeah. But sometimes that's the problem because, like, okay, just. Can we just throw it to Jason Tatum right now, please? Thank you very much. You know, uh, Marcus Smart, you're you're awesome. You're a great teammate. You play your quit shooting as much as you shoot. I'm not saying don't shoot. You're not at Oklahoma State anymore, no, man. No, no, you're not. No, you're not. Uh, you know, just stuff like that. And and uh, uh, but they, you know, they still have home court. Uh, the Nuggets, if they lose here, they're down. They're down six with seven minutes left to go here. Um, they. They still have home court, um, but you know the longer the series goes, the the better it might be for Phoenix. But you know, Phoenix hasn't gotten close in in Denver yet. You know, so I don't know. We'll see. Well, you yeah. know, at, at this time next week, we're gonna have a lot to talk about because there's gonna be some. You know, if the the about the only team that is not going to be disappointed at the end of all of this. Maybe, maybe the Lakers, if they get beat, and I even then I don't think they're going to be thrilled. But all the other, all the other seven teams, they want to, they expect to win a championship. Yep. They, they expect to win a championship, and based on their moves, based on their personnel, uh, I, I, the Knicks, the Knicks would be disappointed. They're going to be disappointed if they lose to Miami. Yes, because that's uh, the eight seed. Because it's the eight seed. If they lose to Milwaukee, they'd be like, "Hey, great year we made to the second round. We we grew." I've done that in a day or two. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but I, I think everybody else, if they lose, Miami's going to be mad just because they're Miami and they don't expect to lose at anything, and and, and so forth and so on. So I, I think that'll be. I don't know. Next week at this time, we're gonna have a lot to talk about, Tony. So um, speak, Speaking about a lot of talk, to, a lot to talk about. This is our longest coaching staff episode ever. Wow. We, we just hit the hour mark. And I think, to be honest with you, this one is important because the importance of, you know, developing relationships with your players. Because it's, they're not all the same. They all have different personalities. And you've got to be able to navigate that minefield and navigate it effectively. And, like, I guess my, my message really is let them know that you're on their side and that you're rooting for them. Mm-hmm. And, and trying to find a way to make it work. You know, when yep. you have... And we gave, and I hope folks appreciated the list and understand where we were coming from with the list of the names that we used to try and kind of give a visual of what we were talking about there. Um, you know, difficult coaching, difficult players comes in all shapes and sizes. And, yes. and, 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 and there's, it's not just this type of thing or this type of situation or that there's there's a lot of different difficult things that we probably could have found three or four more examples of players you know because of this personality trait are difficult to coach but uh i, I hope folks understood that what we yeah. what we what we, we could have went back and done the bill lane beers and made it old school chris anderson the bird man oh. I mean, yeah there's there's all kinds of different ones we could have thrown in there yeah well you know what name we did not throw in there tony Another difficult personality. <laughs> you want to talk about difficult personalities. We are talking, of course, about Chad, Chad Angel. Angel. Yes. And, Chad, we are sorry that we did not get you on this podcast, but I hope everybody else enjoyed it. 
episode number 37 coaching difficult players uh, again if you if you need any, if you have any questions for me or tony you know how to get a hold of us uh dm tony at tony d Viss. you can email me a pen and a napkin at gmail.com you can dm me on twitter at a pen and a napkin hopefully everybody enjoyed this podcast it was it was a really good one our first facetime experience together tony uh, we didn't like bust out laughing and ruin the whole thing. So no, that's, that's the success right there. That 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 we we had no repeats. Um, I, I feel good about this. I, I feel yeah. I feel good. This is this is good stuff, Tony. So I'm just sorry sorry you had to stare at me for an hour. So <laughs> same yeah. same. Yeah, I'll give you my blue steel. <laughs> you got a lot of bed still already. Uh, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. So, but <laughs> I, Michael was home over Christmas and we watched Zoolander, and I'm like, "This is the stupidest freaking movie ever!" But I'm laughing my tail off. Yes. Uh, but uh, yeah, it was good. It was funny. He's he's a funny guy. He's a funny guy. So, uh, all right. Well, hey, we should probably wrap this up here. So, episode 37, coaching difficult players. Hope folks got a lot out of it. Uh, like I said, if you if you have any questions for me or Tony, just let us know. Coaches, as always, let's be sure to hone our craft. One day at a time.